2: An insider's look at the National Football League. It's NFL Lunch. Presented by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. With Vinny and Haney on 105.7 The Fan.
3: All right, let's feed you some football here on this featured artist Friday, which is Lionel Richie or the Commodores. Whatever you prefer. Send your request. Pause for text line at 410-583-1057. Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato. NFL Combine happening as we speak. It's DBs and tight ends working out today. Now, tight ends probably not for the Ravens. I'm not Vince Lombardi, but DBs, however, is an area of need. And here to we'll talk about that and other things like free agency looming from the Baltimore Banner W.G.K. Logest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. He's Jonas Shaper. Jonas, what's happening, man? afternoon fellas how's it going good all right let's talk with uh we were mentioning this earlier and we were talking yesterday with brian wacker i believe it was from the baltimore sun it, it, mel kuyper for instance has uh the ravens taken lassiter the cornerback out of georgia at 30 with chop robinson going the next pick to san francisco which is probably going to change after what he did at the combine yesterday but your order of importance for the Ravens, maybe not necessarily in the draft, but the offseason, is a cornerback one, this two, O-line's got to be up there somewhere. Jonas Shaper, your urgency level is where with the Ravens, position needs-wise?
4: Man, I think you got to start a punter, right? No. no I, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, for me, um, I, I guess I can't really go with a position because like a specific position, one of the 22 in the field, just because offensive line is obviously so high up there. Um, You know, I don't know, man, I guess just like find out exactly what you want to do at left tackle, find out, you know, where things stand there with, with Ronnie Stanley, you know, they, they can't drag their feet because he's due that, that five to four or $5 think 4 or 5000000 dollars roster bonus on the, on the fifth day of the league year. So, um, and, you know, and if you, if you cut him for that cap relief, it makes the most sense to do it with a post-June 1 designation, which means you don't get that cap relief until after June 1st. So there's not really much flexibility there in like, getting someone who's coming to market. So I would imagine that they're going to make a you know left tackle of the future pick in this draft. Um, I think that makes the most sense. I think it makes sense to get a, a running back. I guess you could... You could plausibly make the argument that RB1 is a very important position, uh, especially considering, you know, just not only the fact that the Ravens didn't feel confident enough in those guys to hand them the rock against the Chiefs, but also when they were in there, you know, they were responsible for some bad plays. You know, there were a lot of missed blocks uh, from even reliable guys like Justice Hill that were surprising and will need to be rectified this offseason. So uh, you could really go a lot of ways, but, you know, I guess I'm, I'm of the mind that like the Ravens officials seem to be offensive line. However, you kind of cut up that pie has probably got to to be priority one.
2: Jonas, I could see a scenario where you keep Ronnie because you figure he's going to be as healthy as he's been since 2019. You know, because there's no surgeries, no nothing. So, And it's cheaper to keep him for one more year. All right, so let's say they keep him for one more year, and then, like you said, they draft their tackle, you know, and maybe they do like they did with Jonathan Ogden. Whoever they take, they play him at left guard for a year. And then a year from now, then you get rid of Ronnie, and then he just moves right out.
4: Yeah, I mean, that, that that was why I went with uh, in my first mock draft uh, for the banner this, this week. I think I went up on Monday. I went with, uh, from, from Washington. Cause he's a guy who doesn't have, doesn't have Jonathan Ogden's size. He's pretty much on the N and X spectrum, but you know, there's, there's no reason that that lack of length is disqualifying in any way. I mean, you look at the guy like Rashawn Slater, you know, six, four light, not extremely long, but just really technically sound was mm-hmm. an all pro. That first year was, was pretty good this past year. And, um, you know, if you want to look at other models for guys who can kind of slide back and forth. You look at Tyler Smith, me, Tyler Smith coming into Dallas, you know, was I believe a, a left tackle for all of his career in college, goes to uh, goes to Dallas, starts out at guard, he's moved to left tackle, when Tyron Smith gets hurt, then Tyler Smith comes back and Tyler Smith, you know, moves back to guard and becomes an all pro and it seems like, you know, they now have that flexibility with him where he could go at either spot and be a stud either way. So you just need to find a guy who's going to give you, you know, four or five good years on that would be a contract. And uh, it seems like this is a good draft to be on the market for someone like that, because there's just so many talented guys, even if not all of them are plausibly guard tackles, which re-dudes. Hey,
2: Jonas, what kind of faith do you have or trust that do you have in Philele or Cleveland to ever be a starter for the Ravens?
4: I'm definitely – more bullish on Ben Cleveland at, at this point in his career. Uh, you know, obviously, he, I think he put some good film on tape toward the end of the last year with, with the full knowledge that there was a lot of attention paid from Tyler Lindenbaum to kind of be, you know, his right hand man, even though he's on the left side uh, in, in those situations. So I, I would say more optimistic about uh, Ben Cleveland, even though he's not super stiff, even though I don't know if he's a great fit for this Todd Munkin offense especially if they, you know, go to more zone schemes, you know, does he really have that ability to kind of scoop the, the flag technique, the whatever it needs to be, to to, to to be someone who's a good run blocker, which was, you know, his MO coming out of Georgia. Um, but I, I don't want to write off that Lele either. You know, I think he, for as kind of disappointing as he was in the regular season, he, he was still, I think, a lot more, you know, sure of himself. He was a lot more proficient, certainly in the preseason than he was, as a rookie. And, you know, we have to remember that he's still pretty young for, you know, a guy at that position. Um, he certainly got the, the, the frame to be a powerful run blocker, even if he hasn't really realized that potential yet. So I, I don't want to write off either guy, but I would definitely say 2024 wise, I'm more optimistic about Ben Cleveland being a starter than Paul Lele.
2: Now, Jonas, I could see, uh, tell me what you think. I could see a later pick, maybe one of the sevenths, a blocking tight end. Cause they don't, they don't have one on the roster.
4: Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's kind of what makes the the calculus with with Patrick Ricard kind of interesting. Like, because if, if they had someone else who was, you know, like a, a younger Eric Tomlinson or, or you know a younger Nick Boyle, that, then maybe that would make it easier to part with uh, Patrick Ricard um, just because of that. I think $4, $5, $6 six million dollar cap at whatever it is. I mean, I'm starting to do the math, guys, for like how the Ravens can win this offseason and you need a lot of work just to get yourself in a position to afford like a Tony Pollard. It's really ridiculous. I think fans are overlooking just how little cap space the Ravens are going to have. So um, I I agree with you. I was, you know, when I was doing my mock, I was looking for guys who could could be those relatively limited, uh, you know, pass catchers, but come in and give you some of what Josh Oliver gave you Nick Boyle, Eric Tomlinson. They they don't seem to be a lot of guys, at least when I was kind of going through the mock with like sand in their pants, it seems like, Everyone is the kind of move tight end nowadays. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to be the wide. There's not a lot of dudes who, you know, are kind of yoked up in the way that you could see them stepping in year one and being, you know, that Batman to, uh, you know, being the Robin to, to Mark Andrews or, or Isaiah Likely's Batman. But, you know, <laughs> maybe the Ravens draft the that, that big uh, wide receiver out of Florida State and say, uh, you're our next Darren Waller. We don't want you to play wide receiver. <laughs> we want you to play tight end for, tight end for us.
2: Now, Jonas, you do a lot of you know research, talking to people and stuff. Have you heard anything like league people? I'm sure that you've called like on Zay Flowers. Are you hearing anything about possible suspension, or is it too early?
4: Yeah, not not a whole lot, Benny. Um, You know, it's frustrating because you reach out to the NFL, and you know this this is not a unique situation because. Even when Von Miller, who was in seemingly hotter water in Buffalo with that whole situation last year with the domestic dispute or domestic violence incident, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't want to slander the man if I'm getting the facts wrong. But like, even then, the NFL and their their various spokesmen did not say that investigation was underway. They said only that they were monitoring the situation. And so, you know, we reached out to the NFL a couple times, uh, especially after the the charges were were not brought against they, and they said that you know, still monitoring the situation. So no word for, from either when, for, from either way. From what I've nibbled tell, you know, this has been uh, not really that high up on the NFL's radar just because of, you know, the lack of charges, the lack of charges, pre- the, the lack of charges uh, you know, brought against Zay, which which makes this a bit of a an aberration in the, the broader scheme of NFL discipline. So if I were a Ravens fan, I would probably feel pretty good about Zay not missing any time, but you know the NFL uh, has to be this, this organization that that can't be seen as being lenient on its players, especially uh, if they are in the you know if they are seen to be uh, abusive to, toward women. Um, I'm not saying that say was, but you know the NFL can't afford another Ray Rice on its hand, but Ravens can't afford another Ray Rice on its hand, So uh, I hope that they're doing everything they can to get to the bottom of this. And if they des- decide and determine that there's nothing worth, nothing worth punishing they for, then I guess you just got to kind of take their word for it.
2: Hey, Jonas, you know what? I would think that um, Harbs and Eric, listening to them talk the other day, they must've read your article about Bateman. I mean, because they were, you talk about bullish on Bateman. They must've saw all your film clips and everything else.
4: Yeah. uh, I, I appreciate that, Benny. But again, like, I think anytime you ask, any of those guys at a public setting like this about any player who <laughs> is not Tyus Bowser, they're going to say, "Oh yeah, we love that guy. We, we think we think the world of him. But you know, it, it doesn't really explain the uh, the lack of connection between Bateman and Lamar. Yep. You know um, that that is something that, that hopefully a full off season uh, of, of work, maybe they they get together like they did, you know, heading into Bay, in, uh, heading to Bateman's second year, will rectify somewhat, but. You know, I'm bullish on, on Bateman. I'm bullish on what, what he can be in this league. Um, I hope that he gets the opportunity in Baltimore. I hope that his health cooperates. Uh, you know, he, he's certainly going to get a uh, a lot more targets, especially if, if Odell doesn't come back, and especially if Day misses any time. So uh, he, he's certainly going to have more opportunities than he did last year. And uh, I, I don't know what a breakout year would look like for Bateman, considering just the trajectory of his career and how it's kind of gone up and down. But I, I feel pretty comfortable with that something like that is coming in 2024
3: he's jonas Schaefer, baltimore banner as the ravens and jonas are bullish on bateman they seem to be down on Dollins. he's out there floating around somewhere in the abyss said uh john harbaugh a couple of days ago jonas appreciate the time as always a your weekend we'll talk to you soon Thanks, guys. See right. Jonah Schaefer, everybody. It's Vidian Haney, 105. Seven of the fan. Come back. Reset for you. Give you the Orioles score. Birds go quietly in the top of the first. Give you the lineup as well. And then Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. He's down in Florida coaching right now with the team. He was on the program talking about Jackson Holliday's transition from second, short, short, second, Finkel, Einhorn, and all the good stuff that goes along with that.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: One day trades. Three cents a share. That's three dollars. You cheap.
4: And one place scratch-offs. When we go to gamble, we go to lose.
2: If
5: they still work here,
2: you can bet they're in the The bend. Vinny and Haney on 105.7
3: The Fan. City 105.7, the band featured artist Friday. A little uh Lionel Richie is chosen by you, the people. This song sounds familiar. Okay. Come on, Nolan, help me out. When you you start... are, you are, you. I'm what? Come on now, you don't know, need to get personal. Start. You name are from... not familiar with the song. You are the one. You are the thing. You are the. I can follow along with the rhythm. Don't know the lyrics. I'm not going to lie to you, but this is definitely solo Lionel Richie. Got a couple more segments to go. So if you want to hear from him or anything with the the Commodores, we've sprinkled in a couple of Commodores tunes as chosen by you over the course of the morning now into the afternoon. So get on in here. Let's make it happen. Warrior Hall of Famer Brian Roberts. He'll be on here around 1.30. We had him on this morning. Had a lot of interesting things to say. About the 2024 Orioles, who threw one or scoreless against the Atlanta Braves. Orioles go up three down, three up, three down, as uh, Kowser, Santander, and Mountcastle go up and down. Two Ks there, Kauzer and Mountcastle. Then Tyler Wells Liberato singles, and then Jared Kelmick grounds into a double play. Austin Riley grounds out. Ronald Acuna Jr. was supposed to be the leadoff hitter for the Braves today, but uh, he was scratched, dealing with uh, a little bit of knee soreness, but nothing severe there for one of the premier players in Major League Baseball. Brandon Hyde said earlier today, meeting with the media, Gunnar Henderson's going to be playing in a game in three to four days. Ryan Mountcastle's in the lineup. He got scratched yesterday with an illness, and as we talked about earlier, Cano has not pitched in a game yet, but he's fine. He's ready to rock and roll his sides. It'll be great. So he'll be in the lineup in due time, pitching for the Birds. He's going to be a prominent part of this Orioles bullpen here in 2024. 410-583-1057 is the number. Just talked to uh, Jonas Schaefer about the combine, and in particular, Ravens needs and look, you connect dots. You're talking up Owe and you're talking up Bateman because they're under contract. Mm -hmm. JK's still floating around out there because JK Dobbins, because he's a free agent. There's no contractual obligation to him any longer. But But Gus Edwards, and I keep going back to this, Vinny, John Harbaugh said we'd love to have him back. Yeah. JK's still floating around. Whatever yeah, well, was. I saw,
2: like, a video of J.K. He's five and a half months, you know, into his Achilles surgery. Like, he was jogging or First whatever. First game
3: of the year, he went down.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, he's not – I mean, he's kind of hosed. But who's going to pay him when you're coming off of Achilles surgery? I mean, he's going to be out there for a while. You're not going to have to make a decision on him. He's not going to have a lot of suitors. Maybe the thing that he may do is he's got to prove to people, number one, he's healthy, but he may be waiting for, you know, training camp or somebody gets hurt during camp for some team or something because he's got to do a prove-it deal.
3: And he also blew out his knee. Let's not forget that. (laughs) So he has basically missed two full seasons because of injuries. Yes. 2021 and then played in three quarters of a game this year and then blew out the Achilles. And I'm not saying that it's a parallel to Cam Akers, but he blew out his Achilles in L.A. with the Rams and then went to Minnesota and blew it again this year because after Madison, who was going to get released by the Vikings, he did not live up to what they had hoped he would be. Akers got the call, and then he blew out his Achilles again,
2: Bob, if which I'm, is
3: unfortunate. If
2: I'm a team, you know, in August or whatever— I'm not the Ravens but another team that you know needs a, I'd I'd bring him in give him a shot. Dobbins said. Yeah. Just so because it, like from a
3: Baltimore perspective you're moving on. I
2: think he got I I think he wants to probably too.
3: We've talked about that too. Maybe he wants to get out of Dodge. Himself. Yeah.
2: And and I'd give him a sh- because he's either going to get hurt again or you know does he need another year if he needs another year then you know I mean by that time he's probably done because of the Achilles. So, you know, I, I don't, they say what Killies usually takes nine months and he's five. So March, April, May, June. So maybe he's running July possibly. So he, he's not even going to sign with anybody. You can't even sign a guy like that till August or so to see. He's going he's to have to go do, you know, work out for teams and show them and how, how he's running and stuff.
3: Now, Caleb Williams, he met with the media today, said all the right things, not thinking beyond going number one. He'd love to play for Chicago. If it's Washington, so be it. You know, where, wherever fate takes him, he is cool with that. At this stage where he is, well, Chip Patterson thinks Drake May's the guy, yeah. and Jaden Daniels was uh, Merrill Hodge's guy. Now, yeah. Merrill Hodge famously said Johnny Manziel was going to suck in the NFL, which, you know, he eventually did. But, is there anything Caleb Williams can do at his pro day, now he's not going to get medical here at Indy, that would cause him to drop? No. no only if he had bad interviews. And so far, it looks like he's wowing
2: everyone here. Yeah. So, I mean, he's – and, Bob, you know this. He's probably hired he, – he's been well-prepped. Or at SC, I'm sure, because – SC, you're going to get a lot of notoriety and everything. Their media people, I'm sure, taught him how to talk to the media and do those kind of things. So he's well-schooled on talking with the media.
3: All right, we have time for a call there. Nolan, let's get out to the phones. 410-583-1057 is the number. Brian Roberts, going to have him coming your way. Oriole Hall of Famer in a couple of minutes. Go to Cliff and White Marsh. Cliffy, what's up?
0: Hey, Bob. Hey, uh, I'm going to have to tape the Oriole geese Say it's on Masson tomorrow. And MLB Network, too. Well, I'm going to be out uh, getting heavily invested in the golf string pick five tomorrow. I got some really good ones. <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, coming about, about Cole Irvin. Yes, I I think that the or, this is g- going to prove to be a really smart signing from a couple years ago. You know, I don't know. I, it seemed to me like he got in Brandon Hyde's doghouse last year. I I guess a lot of it was his doing and pitching not that great. But when they brought him back up, he had a couple six inning stints. Now, when I watch him pitch, Bob, he's always near the plate, and he works quickly. And you know what? Umpires really like that. They seem to give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And I just have a feeling, Bob, that's going to be a signing that's going to reap a positive reward this year moving forward. I just have a hunch he's going to have a good season if they give him the opportunity.
3: All right, Cliff, thanks. And he's going to have to have a big season because he's getting the opportunity. He lost 12 to 15 pounds at his own admission, came in, maybe wasn't in the best of shape 2023. You penciled him in as the number two starter, Nolan behind Kyle Gibson last year. And in three starts, he was exiled to the minor leagues. Came back. It was a spot starter for them. Now he's huge because of the injuries to Means and Kyle Bradish. But the Means absence opens an opportunity for a Southpaw. He was an innings eater in Oakland. Didn't give up a ton of home runs. And to Cliff's point, he was a quick worker. And let's make it happen. I'm not giving him the Cy Young Award, but I think he'll be, well, he better be, he'll be much more effective for this year's team than he was for last year's. And I remember that
6: quick working thing that was a big talking point last year you remember the implemented the pitch clock Mm -hmm. and that was a struggle for some of these guys especially veteran pitchers to get used to the change and Cole Irvin well had the pitch clock been around forever
3: he would have been fine years ago so uh, he's going to be a prominent part of this Orioles rotation. We think in 2024 he's pitching this weekend. As a matter of fact, tomorrow against the Yankees. When well, we come back, Oriole Hall of Famer Brian Roberts talking about the young talent on the team and the transition from short to second for Jackson. Holland. we really need new phones.
1: T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch
6: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
1: holiday
2: taking sports to a whole new level 1057 the fan
3: Bobby, Eddie Serato joining us now to talk about the first week of spring training. He's been down there monitoring and coaching the team. He's an Oriole Hall of Famer, two-time All-Star. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Let's welcome back to the show. It's been a couple years. He's uh, Brian Roberts. Brian, what's up, dude?
5: Hey, what's going on, man? Can Um, you imagine? How about this? Lionel Richie was my first ever concert I went into in person.
3: Were you dancing on the ceiling, most
5: importantly? (laughs) I vividly remember it. It was at the Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill. Yep, crazy.
3: (laughs) That is pretty awesome. Brian Roberts, you're down in Sarasota working with the team. And let's start with Jackson Holiday. We know the upside. He's the number one prospect in all of baseball. But defensively, Explain first of all the transition from usually playing shortstop to playing second base and how difficult a transition it might be. Because I heard what he was saying yesterday that you know, I'm used to playing more to the left side of things now, it's more to the right. So tell our listeners what that's all about and uh, how has he looked so far trying to make that transition?
5: Uh, yeah, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of training and. I made the same switch. I mean, I've played shortstop my whole career all the way through my first year in Baltimore. and um, It's a simple switch, yet a very complicated switch at the same time. Um, You know, the the routine ground ball, the plays at first base are much easier, actually, at second base, obviously, than shortstop. Probably you have more time, takes less arm strength. But it's the double play stuff that's more complicated. You're just at a different angle. The feeds are very different. Um, Turning the double play, coming from the left side, infielders from shortstop, and third baseman uh, is a much different turn than um, coming from shortstop where everything's in front of you. So uh, there are some things that definitely um, create some challenges when you're moving from the left side to the right side of the infield, but he's so young. He's so athletic. uh, He's so gifted, had a chance to be around him a lot. He's picking it up uh, extremely well. I think he's going to handle it obviously perfectly fine. It's just going to take some reps and uh, getting in those game situations and having those plays happen in real time where the speed is fast and, uh, and having to make those plays instinctively as opposed to thinking about them quite so much.
3: Now, Brian, I'm not going to lie other than watching highlights on the interweb and what they show us on TV. I haven't seen him play an entire nine inning game yet, but if there is a criticism, I'm I'm using air quotes, arm strength, maybe not of the Manny Machado, Gunnar Henderson ilk. Is that fair or is that an unfair critique? Well,
5: (laughs) well, that, that wouldn't be necessarily unfair for 99% of the world to critique it <laughs> that way. Um, you know, those two arms are pretty special. Uh, when you're talking about Machado and you're talking about Gunnar, they, um, they are the top 1% of the top 1% when it comes to arm strength. So I can tell you this. I mean, I don't think that Jackson's arm strength would hold him back from doing anything on a baseball field uh, would be the way I would put it. Um, maybe it's not the top, you know, 0.01%, but it's certainly – uh, plenty playable at any position you want to put him at uh, on a major league field at this point.
3: Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer, joining us here. Vinny and Haney, one oh five seven. The fans staying on the infield because that's your field of expertise as a two-time All-Star, Oriole Hall of Famer. Colton Wong comes in, two-time Gold Glover, fielding Bible guy, and. I forgot that he was like a, a silver bat or silver slugger guy just two years ago. What could he add to the equation for not just Jackson, but for all of the young infielders and at 33, is there maybe a spot for him on this year's team?
5: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, when I saw that signing, um, I wouldn't say it shocked me completely, but <laughs> obviously the Orioles have so many good young infielders. It's incredible. I mean, that was, Probably what blows my mind more than anything when I get over there is just the amount of talent that they have at young ages, especially within the infield. Um, Yeah, So I think they brought him in certainly as much as anything, maybe for some depth, um, some leadership to to teach some of these young guys who are learning these positions. Um, When you look at Jackson, obviously learning second base, uh, you've got also a guy like uh, Connor Norby who uh, swings the bat extremely well. His one knock would be defensively at second base, uh, probably a big league bat, maybe not quite defensive yet. Um, and so I think there's a lot of purposes behind some of those things when the when these teams bring these guys in. If if he was willing to possibly go to AAA, you know, and be there uh, for insurance as well as uh, mentoring, help that sort of thing. So um, you know, I don't know exactly what Michael Elias and those guys are thinking when it comes to that, but he's a guy who has tons of experience, playoff experience, high level experience, and. I think they can use them in a lot of different ways.
3: Now, Brian, with Jorge Mateo, two bombs yesterday. He was a fielding Bible guy himself at shortstop just a couple of years ago. I mean, the bat really cooled off after a hot sip, uh, April, rather. In 23, center field is going to be an option for sure. The speed plays, the right-handed bat, maybe could that be more of an advantage for him with all the lefties? Where does Jorge Mateo fit in and talk about that transition from being a premier defensive shortstop to cover some ground out there in center field, Camden Yards, or wherever it is?
5: Yeah, I mean, you've got a couple guys who two years ago – you know, uh, we're playing at a super high level defensively. You got him plus uh, Ramona Rios, who won a gold glove at third base. And uh, both of them really at this point, you know, may not have a starting job, obviously. And so uh, the amount of defensive ability that both of those guys bring and their flexibility um, to move around the diamond is huge. I think that's in this day and age and the way the game is now. Organizations love guys like that who can provide all sorts of different Uh, abilities all over the field. Now, moving to the outfield is a whole different animal, for sure, as as an infielder. Um, Getting out there and I think getting work in and reps in, if that's what they're going to uh, have Mateo do some, is going to be, you know, very important for him to get out there and do that. But the right-handed bat, I agree that I struggled against left-handed pitching some last year, to have somebody who can come in and, you know, spot start and, and play all over the diamond and maybe provide that right-handed bat certainly the speed um, on the bases and causing some havoc out there is something that every team loves. So I think the Orioles have a lot of flexibility, which is great. They have a lot of young talent. They've got really everything that they need to to accomplish what they want to accomplish, just a matter of how Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias want to use those pieces.
2: Hey, Brian, talk to me about the progression of getting ready during spring training. I mean, because, you know, you see some of these guys, they get two at bats, then they're out and then they're not playing the next game. Then they come back, get a couple more at bats. So how long does it take you to get ramped up? Like what what was your ideal scenario for you?
5: Well, I would say that varies dramatically based on um, how old you are, uh, how much experience you have at the major league level. All those things you'll see. Obviously, Jackson Holiday and some of those kids are going to get a lot of at bats in spring training. You know, they played the first day, split squad. The next day, so they're back in there again. In there, and you know, third day in a row at 19, they they can do that sort of thing, um, and they're not thinking twice for one because they're trying to make a team. You know, the older you get, even talking to Gunnar Henderson, he's only got you know really one full year under his belt, and yet he told me he's like you know coming into this spring feels totally different. I I, I realize now I can kind of just take my time and and know that all I'm doing is trying to prepare for opening day. And so I think you have different guys who are, who are very uh, different in their approach to it. Uh, Myself. I mean, there were years where I wanted more at bats. And then there were years where you go through things, you might have a nagging injury in spring training and you say, just give me like 15 or 20 at bats and I'll be ready to go. You know? So um, I think the situation just depends on a lot of different factors and um, where guys stand in their career, as well as, um, you know, injuries and those sorts of things. But the biggest thing is making sure that you're healthy, making sure your timing is at least somewhat decent by the time opening day comes around. Um, I always remember Miguel Tejada. He was the worst spring training player I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And yet, first day, opening day, he's going to go three for four. You might as well count on it. So, So the spring training really is just to prepare for opening day for most guys.
3: He's Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. Brian, last thing for you is you've got a glimpse of the team at least early in spring training. We know the the defense is strong. The bats look to be uh, pretty much capable of producing runs. What about that rotation, and is the loss of Batista going to prove to be costly for them here?
5: Yeah, I mean, only time will tell, I guess, at this point. Certainly, the Corbin Burns trade was enormous, and I think everyone knew that a real frontline starter is, um, is a huge asset, especially if you're a team that's um, you know, has a pretty good chance of getting into the playoffs. Having those frontline guys are are enormous. Plus, he's a guy who has eaten up a lot of innings um, at a high level. So that was a great pickup. Um, you know, we'll wait and see what Kyle Bradish is like as he works through uh, recovering from his elbow stuff. You know, John Means obviously as well with the, some injury stuff. Um, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is a uh, had a tough first go around, but came back and pitched outstanding. I expect a really good year out of him. Um, you can't replace Bautista, but certainly putting a guy with like Craig Kimbrell in the back of the bullpen with that kind of experience, he knows how to get outs uh, at the end of the game. and So I think he will help solidify the back end of the bullpen uh, as long as you can get enough innings out of those starters and they pitch well. I think this team uh, has a chance to do everything that they want to do.
3: Well, we're stuck on you. Brian Roberts, Oriole Hall of Famer. First concert was Lionel Richie down at the Dean Dome way back when. Brian, we appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the rest of your spring, and we look forward to talking to you throughout the season here, hopefully. All right,
5: guys. Thanks a Thanks, lot.
0: Thanks,
3: Brian. It's Phinney and Haiti, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back, take a trip through the funhouse. Nolan McGraw, Inside Access coming up at 2. The Orioles up early on the Braves. We'll tell you about that as well.
2: As Heider would say, the Bobster and the Vin-Man. I like our guys. Vinny and Haney. 1057. The Vin.
3: I've been waiting all day long for all night long. Featured Artist Friday. Lionel Richie is chosen by You the People. His big hit, solo hit from 1983 and 84 and all the big Grammy winning stuff. That are brought to the equation. So we've been jabbing at him, mixing in some Commodores as well. So hope you enjoyed it because you picked it. Orioles three zip right now over the Braves. Mount Castle with a ribby. Rhino O'Hearn two run double. Good news here is that Tyler Wells won unscored upon in two innings as he, like Cole Irvin, making his way from an expected bullpen roll to end the starting rotation. We saw how good Tyler Wells could be out of the starting rotation in the first half of 2023. Faded in the second half, got sent back to the minors, but came back and helped big time in the bullpen September into October, now being counted upon to do some good things in the five-man for Brandon Hyde. So the Orioles right now, bottom of the third, three-zip over the Atlanta Braves. Inside access coming up here in a matter of minutes, Nolan, before we get to the funhouse, what's your uh, agenda for the weekend here? Well, I'll take some more weather
6: like this because that opens up more possibilities. Let that rain get out of here. Sick of that.
2: 85% chance tomorrow.
6: Ugh. I mean, it's a, you know, it'll be warm, but it rains. And then it doesn't rain, but it's cold.
3: I mean, get it out of here. Let's That's get
6: spring in here. Let's get summer, summer in here
3: quite the dilemma for old nolan mcgraw other than the fact that he has no beer in his fridge which to me is the more frustrating thing that's an easy fix though uh yes it is if we can control the weather and you're dancing on ceilings we're doing much greater things with humanity humanity than talking about combines and spring <laughs> training games yeah. it's video at 80, 1057 the fan i don't want to talk no more funhouse
0: quick draws
3: funhouse
0: the rudeness, tunist text reader.
2: Who's the fastest gun alive? This side of the Chesapeake.
0: I like that quick straw.
2: 105.7 The
6: Fan. First text here, a question. Texter wants to know, revisiting the 2021 Ravens draft class, who has been more disappointing as a first rounder, Bateman or Owe? Ugh, Bateman or Owe? Both have kind of lacked production. Both
2: have been had their injury stints. Can
6: I can I say both? If you had to pick one, I would
3: say Bateman personally. He was picked before Oway, I and, think, and he showed some great flashes his rookie year. Well, last year, twenty two, yeah. he kept averaged almost twenty yards of reception. Then got
6: hurt again. Yeah, I just think the expectations were higher for him. And his, then uh, when you you consider the Ravens' lack of great. Uh, Draft history at the wide receiver position. He was touted as the guy that was going to finally break that streak.
3: Not to be. His end zone trips have been very scarce. Yes,
2: they
6: have. During his
2: career.
3: But they're bullish on Bateman. Yeah. There's still time. Well, he's under contract. So can't rag on him.
6: Uh, Another texture here says, Go ahead and give Kyle Stowers more spring at bats. Let his hot streak pay off and flip him for another pitcher in a trade. He's never going to put his name ahead of Kerstad or Kauser because of draft status.
3: And even those two guys are having trouble getting playing time. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Kyle Stowers having a great spring is good for him in multiple different ways. It's good for the Orioles. Maybe he will earn him. He earned it last year. He came north with the team, then struggled. But Kyle Stowers is going to help the Orioles in one way or another. I would hope. Nice hair, too, by the way. Doesn't hurt. The uh, last one here, Jason
6: in Eldersburg says, I'll be honest, since Gary Williams left, I struggled to care about the Terps. Even when they had some good seasons, they would let us down in the tournament. Finally, let myself get excited right before COVID hit. We all know how that ended. Yeah, it, it
3: sucks because the best team Turge had was banned. Well, not everybody was banned. They canceled the tournament. 2020. To me, the most enjoyable Turgeon year was the 14-15 season, Mello Trimble's freshman year, where they came out of nowhere and won 25 games. But Gary Land, you know, you, you can't keep him around forever, sooner or later. You know, father time wins. And Gary just wanted to hang up the whistle. He's in the Hall of Fame. His achievements speak for themselves. But right now, Maryland basketball, and no bigger fan than I, two Sweet 16 since 2003, it's not good. It's not good in this day and age where seven thousand teams make the tournament. Come on, man. We need to ramp it up here. 9% from beyond the earth. they're not beating anybody. Caitlin Clark does that. What? Shooter. <laughs> Left-handed. Video and haiti, 105 7 the fan. We're done. Inside access coming up next. They'll have plenty to talk about. We're back on Monday for Nolan McGraw, vinnie Serrado. I'm Bob haiti Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you uh, next Monday,
1: everybody. For down class this week.